Welcome to Christ Church Cathedral, Hamilton, on this Wednesday in Epiphany Tide, we find ourselves comfortably into the season of Epiphany, and this provides an opportunity to sing about and reflect upon some of the important signposts and stories of this important season of the liturgical calendar. Epiphany is an important period in the way that it leads us from Christmas to the start of the Lenten season. It is a period which reveals God made manifest in the person of Jesus through readings and stories of events in Jesus' life, which reveal the divinity within his humanity. We are invited to place ourselves into this time and to situate ourselves in the Epiphany story. What not a better way to understand our faith than to sing about it. And so we welcome you to this hymn festival celebrating the season of Epiphany. A hymn or song of praise reminds us of who God is and what we have been promised. It helps us to put word and emotion around a sense that our faith is fueled by statements which often can only be communicated through emotion to be felt by the soul. This foundation weaves our lives together as believers and connects us with the church's history and the cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. And so, a hymn festival is an occasion centered on congregational song. Today we will be singing a number of Epiphany hymns. Most of these hymns come from our common worship heritage, and others might be some newer texts and tunes which are in the process of entering into the canon of the old and the familiar. Our invitation is for you to sing along with the service leaflet which is included. The organ together with our singers will lead the way for you. The commentary before each hymn will put the music and text into context. We begin by way of a chorale, prelude, based on one of the tunes in this hymn festival. It is written by the American Lutheran musician Walter Pelz and creates a flowing tapestry around the notes of the hymn too.
Would you join with us now in the opening prayer? A prayer for the gift and ministry of music of which we are all partakers. Please respond with the bold face print. Creator God, because you make all that draws forth our praise and the forms in which to express it, we, we praise, praise you. Because you make artists of us all, awakening courage to look again at what is taken for granted, grace to share these insights with others, vision to reveal the future already in being, we praise you. Because you form your word among us, and in your great work embrace all human experience, even death itself, inspiring our resurrection song, we, we praise you. Yours is the glory. Amen. So, time for our hymn festival to begin. In the collection of procession hymns at Christ's Church Cathedral, Lo, the Pilgrim Magi is certainly one of the most anticipated hymns each year for Epiphany. It appropriately begins our hymn festival as it eloquently animates the first event of the Epiphany story, namely the appearance and role of the three kings, the Pilgrim Magi. The text was written by Charles Coffin as a series of Latin verses later translated by J. Chandler. His prose has been described as simple, yet with unction. This description may be rather understated when we immerse ourselves in the passion of his poetry. Rather than just a simple telling of the story, we hear words of passion and rapture, color and incense. We can totally put ourselves right into the center of each scene described, from the Magi leaving their royal halls showing their costly pomp and splendor before a mightier monarch through to the bringing of our own gifts, our substance. The melodic line is similarly evocative. The first note of each phrase begins on a higher note, lifting our gaze with each breath. The last phrase, summarizing as it seems to do the melodic contour of the entire hymn, reaches up a full octave before settling on the final note. The tune comes from the pen of Canadian composer and church musician Walter McNutt. McNutt studied with none other than Healy Willen. He ended his career as organist and choirmaster at St. Thomas Church, Toronto.
Christ, when for us you were baptized. The baptism of Jesus in the Jordan by John the Baptist is the next story which we come across in the Epiphany lectionary. Upon Jesus' baptism, the words from God sound words of love and acceptance. This next hymn, Christ, when for us you were baptized, brings this story to life. Following World War II, when liturgical renewal in the Episcopal Church was leading to a revision of the Book of Common Prayer, there was the 1960s, a significant increase in the need for hymnody that satisfied the new liturgical and biblical thrusts of the proposed BCP. One of the major emphases was the renewed stress on baptism as a public rite. There had been only two extant baptismal hymns in use, both appropriate more for infants. This new text, rich in references to the gospel narratives of the baptism of the Lord, was written in April 1973, responding to this need for hymnody on baptism and is paired here with a 17th century Scottish hymn tune. The tune, Caithness, which we heard a few moments ago in the organ prelude, was one of the new common tunes that appeared without text in the harmonized Scottish psalm book of 1635. Scottish psalm books were bound in such a way that the upper half of the book contained pages of tunes and which turned separately to the lower half which contained the verses of the psalms. In this way you could select a favorite tune to accompany a psalm text below. The tune was named after the remotest county of Scottish counties at the extreme northeastern tip of the country. Despite its narrow range of only four notes, the melody is well-knit and bears a passing resemblance to the famous tune, Talus's Canon.
baptism from an earlier time of the Reformation. When Jesus went to Jordan Stream is an English paraphrase of Luther's baptismal hymn, Christ unser Herr zum Jordan kam. The German original, seven stanzas, must have been written around 1541 and printed on sheets which seemed to appear almost simultaneously around 1542 to 1543 in booklets issued in Leipzig and Regensburg. It is the last of the hymns that Luther wrote on the five main parts of his catechism and shows a didactic style in the use of hymnody. To sing this tells you almost everything you would need to know as a Reformation-era Lutheran Christian. The tune for this hymn first appeared in Johann Walter's Geistliche Gesanke Buchlein, published in Wittenberg, 1524, where it was used with Luther's paraphrase of Psalm 67. The association of this tune with Luther's great baptismal text begins about 1543, when both appeared together in a number of hymnals. Since that time, tune and text have been inseparable.
next relatively new hymn, All Praised You, O Lord, fulfills a need for texts that relate to the gospel story in the second chapter of John, telling about the first miracle of Jesus at Cana. The tune, Carlisle, is noteworthy in that it provides the highest musical tones to words of importance in the text. The text itself was first published in the Parish Hymn Book of 1863, for which the author of this hymn, the Reverend Hyde Wyndham Beaton, was the editor. The text speaks of the power of God's will as made manifest through Jesus in this, his first miracle. It is this power which we praise in the hymn. The imagery broadens to include not just the wedding feast itself, but also the feast of the Eucharist, in the text referring to those refreshing streams, and at the last, the marriage supper of the Lamb, when we get to meet God at that ultimate epiphany. The tune, Carlisle, is by Charles Lockhart and was written for use at the Lock Hospital near Hyde Park Corner in London. It was first published in a collection of psalm and hymn tunes never published before to be had at the Lock Hospital in 1769. It was probably added about 1790 when Lockhart became organist to the hospital for the second time. The chapel was strongly evangelical and its singing partook of the ardor and emotion associated with the Methodist movement. Something of this feeling is communicated by the gradual rise to a climax in the second half of this tune. Lockhart, blind from infancy, named this tune Invocation, but the name Carlisle was given by Benjamin Jacob for an 1817 hymnal. No one knows the reason for this choice, a musical mystery.
the stunning narratives is that of the Transfiguration, which heralds the end of Epiphany and opens the door to the season of Lent. The translation of this 10th century Latin text is rich in biblical imagery. Singing this hymn will remind you of the Feast of the Transfiguration coming ahead on Sunday, February 14th. The mountaintop experience, Jesus' face shining forth, God's voice once more proclaiming the sun and the suggestion of preparing places for the prophets are all brought to life here in brilliant imagery. In the Roman usage, this hymn is assigned to Vespers of the Transfiguration, and here is paired to a new, powerful unison tune. Gary Radcliffe named this tune after the street on which he lived and worked at the time of the tune's composition. The original text and tune association was made with specific reference to the second line of the Wesley text, my daily labor to pursue. Elmhurst, the name of this tune, won the 1982 National American Guild Organists Hymn Tune Competition in Washington, D.C. Although generally in triple meter, the tune opens and closes with a four-beat measure that begins with three repeated notes. This confidence is further borne out with voice leading which amplifies the tune's harmonic setting and the text's bold design. Chrysostom, John the Golden Mouth, 
but he was more than a brilliant preacher. He also led a life of true holiness, giving himself continually to prayer and to the cause of justice. Born at Antioch around the year 350 and raised by his widowed mother, John studied rhetoric under an eminent pagan teacher. Years later, when someone asked this teacher whom he wanted as his successor, John would have been my choice, he answered, if the Christians had not stolen him from us. Stolen or not, John gave his whole heart to the Christian way. While his mother lived, he stayed with her at home, but under a strict rule of life. When she died, he tried his vocation as a hermit. Ill health drove him back to Antioch, where he was ordained to the priesthood. During the next 12 years, John earned his reputation as a preacher who made the text of the New Testament come alive for his hearers. His fame quickly spread far beyond his home city, and in the year 398, the emperor decided that he should become bishop of the imperial capital, Constantinople. John attempted to reform the moral character of his clergy and called upon the imperial court to heed the cries of the poor and the hungry. His innocence in ecclesiastical politics made him easy prey for his unscrupulous rivals, and they engineered a synod which tried John on trumped-up charges and deposed him. The emperor confirmed the synod's judgment and sent John into exile. Soon afterward, Constantinople was hit by an earthquake. This put the imperial court in fear of God's wrath, and John was recalled, only to be exiled again a few months later. He died in the year 407, a victim of brutal treatment and exposure. Let's close the hymn festival with another hymn about the Transfiguration. This time we sing the same text, but now to a style of music several centuries earlier than our last tune. The use of plain chant here, whose syllabic structure makes it and the text very accessible to a congregation, and as such is a fitting medium for the demarcation of the text. O light of light, love-given birth, Jesus, Redeemer of the earth, more bright than day your face did show, your raiment whiter than the snow. To prophets who had faith to see, with your elect found company, the heavens above your glory named, your
servant John, that he might declare your justice before the face of the proud and mighty. Grant us after his example such faithfulness to your work that we may strengthen the hearts of the weary and sustain those who are afflicted by wrong. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. God of majesty, whom saints and angels delight to worship in heaven, be with all your people who employ art and music for your praise, that with joy we on earth may glimpse your beauty and bring us to the fulfillment of that hope of perfection which will be ours as we stand before your unveiled glory. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. A prayer for people facing great uncertainty. God of the present moment, God who in Jesus stills the storm and soothes the frantic heart, bring hope and courage to all who wait or work in uncertainty. Bring hope that you will make them the equal of whatever lies ahead. Bring them courage to endure what cannot be avoided, for your will is health and wholeness. You are God, and we need you. Amen. Amen. The love that raised Jesus from the dead be at work within you. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Alleluia. Alleluia. In, in the, the name, name of Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Alleluia.